that just played was called A Cruel Angel's Thesis by Shiro Sagisu Neon Genesis Evangelion soundtrack. This is the first song we heard tonight and it was chosen by one of my guests, Yifan, who is here with James. Say hello. 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 So, hello. so yeah, Yifan and James are my friends and fellow students artists uh, who are graduate students at the School of the Arts at Columbia on the visual arts department. James is studying at, uh, he's a painter, but you are studying no, at- actually moving image. You're at moving image and Yifan, you're at painting, right? Yes, but I make moving image. Yeah, Yifan, Yang and James Mercer are here and I thought, uh, and this will be like some kind of a podcast. I usually uh, do the Balkan show here at uh, WKCR, but now that we are at virus emergency uh, state, uh, we are pre-recording our show. So I had the idea to make some kind of interviews with graduate students who were facing the thesis and their shows to see what's up with them. So. I'm gonna read a little bit of a bio of Yifan and James, and then we can start talking. So Yifan Ying is a Canadian artist born in Tianjin, China, currently based in NYC. She's an MFA candidate Columbia for 2020, and she has a BFA from Emily Carr University of Art and Design. Jiang thinks there is something strange about walking around and being human, about how chairs are shaped like butts and how there are billions and billions of butt-shaped objects across the globe. She's a project-based artist that uses elements of painting, animation, sculpture, and performance taking an irrelevant approach to epistemology, she explores the gray areas between the scientific, the psychological, and the magical. Jiang Yang recently aborted the Arctic Circle residency and is scheduled to meet the polar bear soon. Wow, I didn't know that you're going to the Arctic Circle. That's interesting. So, James, 
Merce, G.A. Mercer is a New York-based artist working in painting, drawing, painting, drawing, and video. Born in Boston, 1994, he received a bachelor's degree in printmaking from RISD and is currently an MFA candidate in Columbia University for 2020. A recent series explores the lived experience of New York's architecture through geometric drawings on handmade graph paper. Other paintings insist on a contradiction, contradiction such as timid bunny rabbit blown up to gigantic proportions or horse hovering one foot off the ground. James was a resident at Clock Tower Productions in 2014 and has exhibited Pioneer Works and the Drawing Center. His 20-minute animated video Landfill was featured in the iWorks Festival of Experimental Animation in 2018. Uh, okay, so welcome, welcome James and Yifan. This is you. Thank you, Yifan. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so this Hello. was very a formal introduction. So yeah, so yeah, we can start talking. And I prepared some questions and I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about what did, what did you do before you came to graduate school and what did you like expect from graduate school? Um, I can start with this. Yeah. Uh, I actually lived in New York for 10 years before going back to school. Um, I was being an artist and a person in the world uh, as opposed to a student being a person. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I went straight from high school to undergrad and after undergrad, you know, I'd never had a real job. I had grown up in the same town for my entire childhood um, and been in the same school system, you know, in, in suburban Massachusetts and then going to RISD in Providence, which is a small city. So I really just felt like I needed to sort of like get out and actually live outside of some kind of educational institution. Uh, so, you know, in the intervening decade, um, I was exploring New York, showing here and there, um, moving between studios. I had odd jobs working, mostly working for museums or working for artists. Um, and, you know, Eventually I realized dur during that time I was out of school, I sort of forgot how much I enjoyed being in school. Mm -hmm. I, I convinced myself that I didn't like it, but then going to a few residencies, I, I began to realize, oh no, that was actually kind of an untrue perception of myself. I actually do really enjoy school. I enjoy <laughs> the structure of it. Um, I enjoy the kind of built-in community I mean, weirdly, a grad program is sort of like living in a very small town in the sense of you have a preset group of friends and they're just your world and, you know, you know exactly what the parameters are. There's something I find very comfortable about that. So, so, so that's an idea which you got, uh, like, in advance or you, you kind of... Uh, discovered that while going to school? What, what, what was it like your idea uh before you came to achieve that or like did, did you get to that idea like um, school? i i suspected that it was going to be a kind of like you know a close community where you would be seeing the same people every day um mm -hmm. it took going to school to actually realize that it was essentially like my experience growing up in a small town <laughs> um <laughs> how, just how similar it would be that it's basically the same thing. 
yeah, you know, yeah. including all the attendant kind of like gossip, the inability for anyone to really look cool because everyone knows too much about each other. Yeah, so all of these things I realized after. So you're really good at swimming in a really tight place with a like super tight community where everyone knows everything about each other. Yeah. It's like your way. <laughs> yeah. And you know, as you're saying that a lot, I'm suddenly like, wait, why am I choosing to be in New York? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, yeah, there is something fulfilling in the idea of community and people knowing you, like, you know, and not being like a stranger all the time, you know? I think yeah. that's, that's like a nice feeling. Well, it's also nice being able to kind of like build up some history with some people so then you can figure out how to be surprising Mm -hmm. Like you can, it's really easy to set expectations for yourself in a really small community. And then you can also really easily defy those expectations. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And like in, in artistic sense, I think it also makes sense because in that way you can, your art can communicate from a community and it, understanding your art like makes people understand the community as well so like that your artwork is kind of an introduction to the to this this community and then when you get to know the community you understand the art better totally yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah that's that's an interesting thing well it's also weird like when you're just some random person you know when you're just some fuck in the world um and people (laughs) see your work there's no they, they can't as easily anchor it. There's no sort of context in which you can see it as like working against something or responding to something. Yeah. And so that can make it in a way less interesting. But if you have a really small community with all these built-in premises, you can really surprise people. <laughs> yeah, but do you think that Colombia is a community enough? Don't you want to build a community based on some sort of like identity you have like in sense of like taste or because the only thing that gets you together with Colombia people is the fact that you're crazy ambitious and you have the ability to be so ambitious that you're gonna waste your entire life on on paying for Colombia like that's 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 this insanity is like something that can connect people at but but uh, what else isn't is don't you want to like you know what i mean uh, like, i mean first of all someone's answering his own question but um also, i mean uh no i i actually despite the thing that i just said about being in a close-knit community i kind of like it when you have to come to terms with something you know there's people who are doing things in the program that i would never do Mm. and that i kind of weirdly might not even ever really be interested in or particularly into and i think it's kind of beautiful to get exposed to and even overexposed to that kind of difference i saw that as like an added thing that it's the fact that it's not that it's a tight community but that it isn't necessarily like a particularly that it isn't necessarily filtered in exactly the way I would filter it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I some, view that as actually like a perk. 
that's a chance to sort of learn something about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else is kind of filtering it. You don't know what the filter is. And yeah. 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 And it's kind of random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah, okay. No, the filter is Gregory. Like, yeah, Gregory. <laughs> Uh, no, no, like everyone is the filter. <laughs> uh, so, Yifan, have you been, uh, so you came from Canada, right? You came to, from Vancouver here to New York. You're new yes. to this city. Yes. Yeah, yes. so tell me about, uh, tell us about uh, what's happening. What's, uh, how's New York? How's Vancouver? <laughs> what did you think of coming here and how was your life in Vancouver? Yeah, I think I'll just like start off from what Jane said. Like, I kind of had the opposite, but like weird similar life. Um, like, I was born in China and then I moved to Canada. And then when I was in Canada, I just moved around so much. My whole life was just like constantly moving. And within that kind of moving, which like Colombia is part of that, is I consistently jumped into very small, close-knit community. This is probably part of art. Yeah, maybe it's part of art that it always happens like that, but it's always like that. And I think school as a structure really facilitate that. And yeah, for that reason, I really was looking for like, you know, the second thing to jump into. Like, if as soon as I get really comfortable in the communities, like, oh, I get that. If I stay here, I'll be like this forever. And the fastest way for me to, like, become another person or be a little bit different is just to go somewhere else. So the school thing was just very normal. And I always was a school addict. It's kind of sad mm -hmm. in that way. Like, I tried society for one year, which is when <laughs> I worked at, like, uh, you know, like luxury retail, I worked for Louis Vuitton and it was so painful that I was just, you know, every day. Yes, yes, every day back. So, you know, like school was like, okay, this is something that people would forgive if you use as escapism, you know, like, <laughs> like okay, that, that's fine if you do school instead of. Yeah, it's like a designed designed bubble pre-designed yes. for yes, you yes. to feel happy yes and, yeah yes yes if you feel play video game people think you're stupid right but if yeah. you go to school then you're okay but it's you know, kind of like a video game yeah yes 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 but really same idea yeah, yeah, yeah. society is cool but i don't know it's also kind of bogus and i can only do it in small doses yeah <laughs> No, I never want to do society again. It's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When your life, uh, when your life uh, is like centered around going to the supermarket, it's oh. really, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's really sad. <laughs> and the only people you see are the people who sell. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Okay. Yeah. We're not elitist at all. No, <laughs> not even a little bit. No. No, 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 not at all. That's not what like make us friends at all. We're Bohemian. <laughs> We're bo so yeah, c can you tell me? Mm, so so like in some way, why did you come to Colombia? And maybe you can both like answer this in some way. Like, what does make Colombia something that's like you know something which you wanted to like? 
I mean, we can talk about this uh, this thing in, in sense of like uh, taking the classes. You know, like what, what 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 like what what do you think it's like super specific here? What what did you like in advance and now? Just to clarify, none of us is elitist at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why would we be? Yes, yes, we didn't come here for that, right? Not at all. Definitely not. Not at no. all. I am in no way an elitist who thinks that people are unequal. I do not think that even a little bit. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And I do not come here for the name. Not at all. Yeah, you didn't come for the name. Okay. Uh, but what did you come for, really? I mean, you know, you don't come just for the name. The, the name is uh, part of something, you know. It, it, it stands for something. It, it has really good professors. It has really great classes. I mean, what did you do? What, what, you know, tell me about your experience in the school. What classes did you take? I don't know, like there's so many things. I mean, I have friends at SVA and they're really jealous at the Hunter that we can take these academic classes. I think that I think you answered the question. That's why I'm here. Like that's mm. that's what I came to Colombia for. Like, what does that name uh, contain? It's like ah, uh, like ivory tower. You know, like really, really all the things that you want to know. You you mm. can just go and find out. And really smart people are there. I know that I'm a really, really like. I don't know, like, like, oh, like, really curious to the point that it's like not doesn't serve me that much, but it's <laughs> <laughs> to the point of like, uh, like meaninglessness is just to know. So that that's probably like, if you want to know the fundamental reason why I choose to do, why I was addicted to school and. Colombia is just a further addiction. It's just a curiosity. You're addicted to curiosity. Wow. No, no, no. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, I'm addicted to school. Because... You're addicted. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you okay. get your fix at the library. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what classes did you take outside of uh, the art school, and how did it help your practice? Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit to the last section of the question. Part of why I came to school, and this is maybe sort of a, um, this, is, this is maybe the weirdest reason I can summon. I actually sort of really perversely enjoy big, complicated institutions. Like mm -hmm. even on a kind of physical and visual level, I really like office buildings and classrooms same all these kinds of spaces um and even just like kind of weirdly the aesthetics of paperwork on stuff like that i have an almost like borderline erotic fixation on it so, <laughs> on paperwork or not not on paperwork itself but on the way that all that stuff looks mm, um and and maybe even also on kind of its meanings too like i think it's kind of interesting to think about what happens at a truly massive and unwieldy institution like Columbia, which is of course, you know, the largest land holder in Manhattan or whatever. Um, I don't know, there's a lot to think about there. So that was part of my, I mean, yes, there were other things like, 
looking around, it seemed like this was the school that had the best student work or the student work that I related to the most and that the faculty were great. And I, and I wanted to go somewhere that I knew would be challenging. Um, but there was also, I think, and that might have also been part of why I stayed in New York for so long. There is that weird attraction to these sort of like massive and potentially impersonal institutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you wanted like a Kafka, Kafka experience. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> to like feel like Kafka. Kafka. Yeah, you know, maybe like a little more like Contempo Kafka or something. <laughs> you are insomniac so halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I've been sleeping very bad lately. And so, so do you use this for your work? Okay, how, how does like Columbia go into your, your artwork? Like this, this ideas? Oh, well, I mean, I've been doing these grid drawings, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and my fixation and obsession with the grid as an organizing principle. I mean, it's partly a way to visualize scale. Uh, and, you know, maybe since I've come to work, come to school, weirdly, the work has taken on a little bit more of a kind of tender, intimate, personal direction um but in the past i had found myself you know doing animations that would take place in very kind of bland office spaces uh, also my fixation on on some of the kind of like genericness of the suburbs uh mm. yeah yeah that that totally it, it comes into the work in kind of weird ways yeah yeah that's that's interesting maybe you know maybe we can have like a mic break now and uh play a song so the next song will be a choice by james and i'm gonna play a song called even the moon remembers by united waters from the album dean narrows
ACR HD1, 89.9 on the dial in New York, and you can listen to us on WKCR.org. And this is Stepan, uh, who is usually doing the Balkan show. Uh, but now I'm interviewing Yifan Yiang and James Mercer, who are graduate students at Columbia. And here we are back. Yeah, so what's up? Um, how did you choose this song? What do you think about this song, James? Even the Moon Remembers, what's that? Oh, um, well, it's this band, United Waters, who I sort of know a couple people in the band. And um, I just really, really like that song and that album and the band. Um, they emerged from this other group who I know less about called Mouthus. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a weird quality to their music. I mean, in a way, they're sort of like very normal kind of almost indie songs, but everything is kind of joined together in a very bizarre way. Like there'll be things that don't seem to quite land on tempo or like the melodies will interact with each other. will sort of like put emphasis on very strange parts of the music. It's almost as though it wants you to focus on kind of very weird, very specific aspects of the song. Um, there's yeah. just something about the way that they arrange everything that I really can't quite put my finger on, but it's very consistent. And so listening to them is almost like sort of this interesting puzzle for me. Yeah, that's cool. And after was some metal song, but okay. Uh, that was also very nice, but uh, so I want to talk to you about uh, your collaboration. So you did an animation in which I also partially participated. I did like around <laughs> 10 drawings, 10 to 15 drawings. You invited me, it was very nice, but you did like an animation together. So James, you were doing animations before. Yifan, I don't know about you, but it was turned out really great. So can you tell us a little bit about the process, about the idea and how it looks like? Thank you for the dinosaurs. I mean, I think that's, that's a huge part of it. Like mm -hmm. I, I think about that part of the process where it's not between you, like me and James, which we're just sitting side by side in, in a computer room for like 10 hours at a time. And how many, how, how long All is summer, it? like. All <laughs> summer fucking long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, summer fun at the computer lab. Yeah, we re never really left and just only ate like, what is it, package products that you get from the grocery store from the package. Wait, was that when we started doing the really uh, dissonant food combinations? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So it, it like kind of our dietary uh, habits became a mirror of what the creative process is like working on the animation, which is like to dare what you could like put in the thing and see if it's a disaster or not. And that translated into like consuming, what do we put together? Like yogurt with pickles and- Come on, what's the idea of the animation? What was the, the good, idea? <laughs> the, good, the good combination with the food was, um, there was something that really worked like pickles and oranges together ended up being 
like very <laughs> very puke but weirdly oh no the one that was good was peaches and hummus yes yes peaches and hummus and oh my uh, god kimchi and peanut butter no i'm serious yeah kimchi and peanut butter rule the attitude of the collaboration <laughs> uh-huh, so that's kind of the atmosphere of the of the film is like as yogurt as eating yogurt and peaches at the same time no yogurt and peaches too tame it is hummus and peaches Stefan. hummus and peaches yeah oh yeah or kimchi and peanut butter that worked so kimchi. Well. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i can't even eat kimchi without peanut butter but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we would we would like really um we would dare each other to do things like we were doing with the food and we were pretty uh ruthless in combining styles. Like part of the thing of reaching out to you for character designs was that <laughs> we wanted to involve someone who had because I think when we were talking to you, you didn't you hadn't even seen what it looked like at all. Yeah, no, no, I didn't know anything. Yeah. So we wanted to bring in something that would just seem like completely indigestible. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and to be like, can we put these, can we make this contradiction live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was really happy because everything I did was good to you. I didn't, I didn't like have to do it again or something. I just did. I just did whatever I could. Like I did it like in two minutes. But okay, like, uh, so Yifan wrote the script, right? She, she was kind of, she built like a narrative. So how does the process, how do you even do an animation? I don't even know. Like, how well, just to start? clarify, I did not write the script alone. I came mm-hmm. up with a premise and I went to James. I think we wrote it together, basically. And a lot of it, a lot of how we uh, build this is through like a ping pong back and forth of like, building on and destroying each other's work basically <laughs> yeah 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 and so so, so, the, so this uh, the, like this co- collaboration was kind of to kind of um, fuck each other up in that sense like trying to not go too much into your own ideas but like well, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the appeal is that you get to kind of do the thing that you would never consider doing yes mm. you know like like for instance Ifan drew, she hand drew basically all the backgrounds, almost all of them with a few exceptions. And I would have never done this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, it all happens in the computer. It's a computer all the time. I'm a computer. And, <laughs> and a lot of really interesting stuff got unleashed by, by just like taking that one kind of, you know, it's not even a particularly complicated step, but just, just having that that escape hatch really mm-hmm. pauses things. Yeah, I can say the same because like I am not a computer. I can't even like work. I don't know. I can't even use the scanner before I came to Colombia. So like everything I know about animation, which is what I do now, is taught to me by my peers. So a large part is Ruhi from last year, and then. So much I learned from James. I think James should get my tuition. <laughs> <laughs> I should pay your tuition. Some very peculiar logic. Like I should pay you my tuition. Please. Like programming, you know, like like I would never fathom that I have the IQ to like you know pull that off. So it's really it's like. 
it's like somewhere that I've never thought that my work could go, which is like James did a lot of like, he made custom software for me to use to like make whatever I want, which is like luxurious, you know? Custom yeah. software. What does that mean? He like programmed a yeah, computer program for I you? Programmed, <laughs> I programmed, I mean, they weren't terribly complex because I'm not a good programmer, but I, I programmed things in Java and in this, and also in this environment for Java called processing. Oh, wow. Um, like programming a thing that can make stars or snow or whatever. Oh, but then you have to actually make it. And so I would usually hand those over to Ethan. Yes, and, and then we built one, right? That that we built because of this feature that we're able to build something like the Grand Canyon from Beyonce's face. And this is something I never dreamed of, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So that's the process. You're like completely like you just take Beyonce and you glitch it kind of. You kind of smudge it and it becomes like a Grand Canyon. <laughs> well, there's a, so there's a very short video. We needed to, this was in Max MSP, which is not software that's really designed for animation, but we had a I, we had a really short video of Beyonce's face just turning around, mm -hmm. and I made a program that um, the program would just take the individual frames of her face, and it would place them down rather than erasing them. But as you move the cursor, it will move where it places the individual frames. So it's basically sort of tearing apart pre-existing video footage and then sculpting that into something shaped like the Grand Canyon. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's no, so good. Yeah, no, really, I wanted to say, like, I think what James mentioned before, this attraction towards, like, large institution and industrial, like, aesthetics and also, like, suburbia, all these, like, very detached and cold kind of architecture and uh, imageries was like how I was before I came in and through weirdly this collaboration because you can't really put the responsibility on one person right because like you know it could like could be me that I'm responsible for this or it could be James <laughs> we really I mean at least I felt like the first time I got to be really personal with um or like openly emotional about, about like my art practice which is crazy yeah yeah i mean that was something that you really brought like i mean that was i feel like the the storylines that you that you sort of came to me with are what set that in motion but part of what was cool about it was that we could both point at each other to deflect <laughs> responsibility for anything that happened right like incredibly reduced because like you have someone else believing in this for you yeah yeah totally <laughs> you don't have to like like summon the emotional energy to trust that these are good ideas and you need to like share this much you know like you don't need to like put in work on those kind of things so a lot of like, you have like immediate approval that it's okay like yeah, all the time yeah. and yeah, the other person yeah. can weirdly give you a permission permission for your own idea that you could never give to yourself. Yeah, because because other than 
like visual artists, I always felt that way they don't have access to audiences such as musicians have mm -hmm. to, and they don't have oh, access to sense. feedback in that sense as actors have like, you know, okay. actors, like even in films, they get all the time this like, you're the best, you're the best, you know, <laughs> like, do, it, do it. And they get everything. They, they get all the ego they can get, like, but, you know, but uh, ego boosts, you know, but, but we don't get anything. We, we're like, you know, we, even if people like your work, you don't even see that. <laughs> you know? This is really interesting. It's like you have a collaborator, you have like a ready-made uh, audience installed. Yeah, you have an audience, yeah. at least. <laughs> because like audience is important, right? You need someone to like listen to you. You're not like doing it for yourself. You, you actually, you, you want to like, you know, communicate, you know. Yeah. Well, that was also, I think, part of what was really good about bringing in not only like having each other there, but also doing things like bringing in your drawings or even working with other people as um, voice actors. Yes. Like the voices were, mo it was mostly fan, but it was also just people who, just other students in the MFA program. Part of what's cool about that, about bringing in these really alienated collaborations is that they kind of let you see the work in a new way. Because mm -hmm. the, the thing, the element that's brought in from outside, whether it's your drawings or this like weird non-professional voice actors, is just kind of so in another universe that you see it differently than you would see something you made yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, and is it hard sometimes to do that? Like, do you feel like, uh like I would do this better myself or do you... How do you feel when something like foreign access comes into your work? Like, do you feel like, oh, this is like, do, do you feel it like a little bit like uh, foreign, like a UFO just dropped in? And do you feel like it's sometimes bad or like, I don't know. I mean, like the whole attitude of this project is everything is fucking foreign. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, like yeah. Think back to kimchi and peanut butter, right? That's like how it is. That's like how the premise is to begin with. So any new element that's introduced to it sort of gets like, I don't know, like orchestrated or oriented or like, you know, pinched and groomed in this particular way that it would fit into the rest of what we already have. But it is through this like introducing uh, new things and then finding like which angle or how to handle it or how to fold it in that becomes part of the finished work. Yeah, yeah. So the work is basically about that in some way. Yeah. Well, something else that I'd say also a background factor that I think really helped us was that when we started it out, we weren't taking it <laughs> very seriously at all <laughs> we were like oh yeah you know this will be a quick two week thing it's gonna be you know we'll just do these like crazy drawings and it'll be really funny and it'll be a weird little diversion and as with so many things or as with honestly just speaking for myself I can't speak for Ethan on this <laughs> most of the things that I get really into I start out be with this attitude of not taking it seriously at all 
And at some point, something happens where it snowballs and it actually becomes like deadly serious. It becomes like the serious. The most serious thing in the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay, okay. Let's switch to like a mic break again and then uh, listen to two more songs. And then let's go back and just like talk a little bit more because I don't know. We have one hour time and now, yeah. Okay, let's do a mic break. Thank you. 
so we're back here at WKCR FM New York at 89.9 with this little podcast. I don't like the name podcast, but this is an interview. Uh, so with James and Yifan. And so, yeah, we have maybe 10 more minutes. So can you tell us about your thesis, which is supposed to be on the 20th of April, something like that, but it's canceled or postponed to February because uh, a big unknown virus trapped on Earth, <laughs> which, which sounds very science fiction, but it's true. <laughs> and no one knew about it. Yes. So tell me, how do you deal with an absolute cataclysm in your work? Uh, my thesis plan is just to paint and draw. <laughs> okay, this is very short. We have ten minutes. It's too short. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, oh man. Oh man. I thought that was so effective. Now I don't know if I can summon anything. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Live TV. Uh, yeah. I'm just. I'm gonna paint and draw. Um, I am really giving myself a lot of range, uh, giving myself a lot of permission. Uh, and it seems like themes are emerging on their own. Once again, I continue to be obsessed with grids. I have this idea that all grids, and you know, I don't know if this is real philosophy or anything. This is just James talking. Uh, <laughs> I have this idea that all grids are really a single grid distorted and damaged and sort of folded on in, in and on itself and that this is the kind of fundamental organizational structure that defines the limitations of where human beings have gone and where they can see but that you know the, the notion is that the grid is the fundamental organizing principle um it is organization in, itself in real life also Yes, yes. Uh-huh. You know, oh. in, in real life and in, and in, yeah, I, I believe this on some level to be actually true. Like a matrix. That all systems of organizations. No, not like the matrix. Um, uh, all systems of organization <laughs> reduced to a grid. A grid is basically an agreement to do the same thing. It's an agreement that one unit will be replicated into another unit and so on and so on forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'll be painting and drawing around this topic for my thesis in the neighborhood yeah. of this topic. And a grid by like that it is a unit of understanding that you repeat it and organize it. Like would uh like I would just want to know like on which ontological level are we talking about the division. I never knew what that word meant, so I can't I don't know how to answer your question. <laughs> which word? Ontological. I never really understood what that word means. Only uh, Eva knows. I, uh, I don't, no, know, I don't know either. Let's not use that word. But like, is it a Chinese word? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's totally. <laughs> it comes from China. <laughs> yes, yes. Man, these microaggressions. <laughs> I'm just not. So many microaggressions <laughs> today. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. I was just like wondering what you mean by it. Just expand on it a little bit, just for my curiosity, which is, you know. Um, 
<laughs> it just means that the idea of organization in and of itself uh, reduces to a grid. And I'm not sure about this, but I, I, I strongly suspect it, that there is no simpler and more fundamental way to organize things than a grid, because it really just represents a repetition, an agreement to do the same thing. Interesting. You think, uh, is it like a I, atom like theory? Like theory, like, I mean, it's like in sort of, in some way there is some repetition in like a micro. Well, I don't know if like this is necessarily micro. has anything to do with like nature. Um, this is about human organizational structures. Ah, any it's kind of like, rational thinking. Ah, it's in the yeah. social, in social, in the like social rational sphere yeah. yeah no i don't believe that nature reduces to a grid or that it reduces to anything or that uh, okay you could even define it it's more than any any system of human or frankly non-human organization anything that can communicate or do anything we consider thinking um would necessarily engage with the grid okay so but yifan what was did you what did you think about doing thesis and what do you think now what did you think before virus and now and i don't know what was your project like yeah even um there was always this like like i think before it actually manifested we we're talking about the end of the world always all the time maybe it's just the art world but there seemed to be like such fixation about the end that now now that it's here like so it's like what i did for my thesis where the original plan was to was a story based on humanity losing language and uh instead they would be sharing personal experiences with each other and then the the less people had in common, the longer it'll take to share their experiences and to understand each other. The story is like, you know, about people coming together with very, very different life experiences and like wasting so much time of understanding each other and um, the idea of language being like a shorthand or abstraction or like compromise or, you know, maybe, maybe it is a win, you know, stuff like that, but like now, now that the apocalypse have happened, I think. I, but I think wait, that, I didn't really understand what your thesis was. Was it a sculpture or a animation uh, a, or a drawing? It's an <laughs> animation installed in a sculpture. So I guess it is a sculpture installation. With animation in it. So it's like a multidisciplinary, multidimensional uh, installation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I should clarify that a little bit. Yeah. So multimedia. Yeah, multimedia. It's like a bunch of tiny theaters stacked on top of each other and each one will have an animation inside basically. Oh, great, great, great. Yeah. So yeah, and will, will it change what, like, how will you use this time now in this period? How do you feel? about your work do you change do you like yeah i think like now that i don't have the pressure of producing something that's supposed to be like uh a representation of what i learned <laughs> in the past two years i can actually go and try 
things that I wanted to try, which is, yeah. which, yeah, yeah, I'm very thankful. I don't know what happened to my thesis project since it was a speculation on, you know, what happened if the end of the world comes, well, what happens if our lives is really, really different, which is like happened already. So now I don't know, like if that was still fantastical as it was. So I, yeah, I need to rethink about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I just, I just thought about uh, all these ideas, how, you know, how fixed the Columbia program is, like two years, intense, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But like the outside world still is there. It's not just a bubble, yeah. you know, it's connected to the outside world. And now mm -hmm. kind of we have the opportunity to make something and bring the outside world a little bit into this bubble. Like, I think, you know, because maybe our work was too much in the bubble. Like, you know, how do you know, like you're doing this thesis mm -hmm. and it comes from this like bubble, which is maybe a little bit scary because like, maybe it isn't what you actually do or something. I don't know. I'm just thinking that maybe this will improve our work. Yeah, I definitely feel like I reflected a lot, like what really, really matters or what I'm motivated by in making art or like what I really uh, care about. And yeah, it's from like outside of that gigantic structure that tells me what I'm supposed to care about. It's like, okay, now I'm back in like a normal life I'm in my parents house in suburbia Canada and yeah reset think about that and then hopefully it'll bring something that's more relevant to like every other human than some you know institutional art bubble yeah yeah okay let's let's say goodbye now and thank you Yifan and James for being my guests and Thank you, uh, Stefan. Yeah. Stephen. Yeah. And let's play some more music. And yes, this was James Mercer and Yifan Yang from the Columbia MFA program, famous one. And now we're going to play. Um, what was this? Don't Light My Fire by Otto Boke Beaver. <laughs> it's Yifan's song. And then after that, Alan Maxwell, KIP AIM, Shortwave Pirate Radio from the album That's That. <laughs> okay, thank you. And yeah, uh, this was WKCR 89.9 New York. You're listening to this radio. And this was like a podcast or interview with my friends and colleagues. And I hope this was fun for you. You can listen to us on WKCR.com wkcr.org online and yeah this is a pre-recorded show okay thank you for listening thank you thank you thank you Go through. <laughs>
of medicine. I worked in a 16-story tall complex of buildings with rehabilitation centers, ICUs, transitional units, operating theaters, with several floors of laboratories, maternity ward, kitchen, cafeteria, a huge pharmacy, x-ray, fluoroscope, CAT scan, and MRI facilities. The hospital was equipped with a helipad to receive patients when they were medevaced in from auto accidents, plane catastrophes, and industrial disasters. And the hallways, they were painted in pastel colors and decorated with artwork, generic hotel issue paintings, scenes of kids in a country swimming hole, alpine mountains, Ducks floating on a pond, a clearing in a forest with a fawn gazing lovingly up at a nest of bluebirds, or a couple in a rowboat with a woman wearing a broad-brimmed straw hat, her fingers trailing a gentle line in the watery surface of the pond, the man in a striped jacket with a small ukulele and a little book of poetry, strumming in accompaniment to the romantic lines that he was reading her, the moon beaming down on them. But if you looked closely, you could see that he had a prosthetic left arm and that she was horribly disfigured. One of her eyes had been sewn shut and there was a large, dark, shadowy form approaching the boat from behind. You could see its eyes peering just above the water. The eyes of a crocodile. And so randomly placed amongst the idealistic paintings were these more disturbing images for which I was personally responsible. I'd also hung a photograph of a man who had hung himself in his radio studio a very fine pen and ink drawing of a skeletal hand reaching through a metal grating, bodies impaled on wooden spikes. Now why I did this, I don't know. But because the hospital had been overrun by patients and all of the operating rooms had been filled, surgeons had been forced to perform operations in the kitchen of the cafeteria amongst the cooks, the dishwashers, and the food preparers. And the only problem with this was that during the course of the surgery, it was very hard for the surgical staff to concentrate on their work. The aroma of the food was so enticing. And I remember that once I was performing an operation, holding in one hand a drumstick and lifting up my mask and gnawing on it while with my free hand, 
I was working with the scalpel. And the anesthesiologist and the nurses were all eating and chewing. And while we were eating over the patient, inevitably, crumbs and little bits of gravy fell into the cavity of the area that had been opened for the surgery. So in the body cavity, we were getting breadcrumbs, a partially chewed chicken thigh, a piece of lemon meringue. And then someone said something very funny. And uh, I had been drinking some iced tea and I exploded into laughter and I spilled the tea into the patient's body. You know, sometimes when these kitchen people are rushing about trying to keep things going, one of them bumped and overturned the operating table and the patient fell onto the kitchen floor and when that happened everyone rushed to pick him up and we kind of flopped him back under the table and there were sawdust and carrot peelings and crumbs and potato skins stuck to the patient's gown and to his hair and feet. (laughs) 